language of each. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, thanks be, to, be God. to God. Thank you, Karen. Uh, thanks everybody for wearing red. A lot of people wore red today. Most people got the memo. Um, but I want people who didn't, for whatever reason, to stand up. You're going to have to give an account of your... No, I'm just kidding. No. No, you don't have to do that. Um, you know, I, I, I promise you, I looked in my closet. I couldn't find anything red. I mean, y'all know I'm a bulldog, right? So uh, my, my clo you know, clothing is limited. Plus, I knew that Pat and Wes Ingram would wear Ole Miss stuff, and I don't want to be associated with them, you know? Um, you know, and then so I thought, well, I'll be safe this way. But then, then all of a sudden, I walked in this morning, and somebody said, "Oh, I noticed you're wearing Ole Miss powder blue. That's great. So that's not good." <laughs> so here's what I did. But I did wear red. See my socks? So hey, yeah, absolutely. That's the only time I wear these red socks all year long. Um, let's pray. God, what a glorious day this is. We often say thank you for this day, but I just want to thank you for this new day. No other day has ever been like it, and no day will ever be quite like it. Thank you also for the new day of the church, the first event in your church, Pentecost. Lord, help us not be scared of the Holy Spirit. Help us to recognize it when we see it. Give us courage. In Christ's name, amen. Karen also uh, gets the High Wire Act. It's the hardest scripture to read every year. All those countries that you have to name, so thank you for that. Uh, Daniel, put a picture of that young man on that first slide, if you would. Y'all recognize this guy? No, you don't? Okay. His name is Andrew Forstafell. Forstafell. He's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, this picture was taken when he was 23 years old. And he decided, when he was 23, year old, 23 years old, to do something very scary. To walk across the continental United States, all the way across from his home in Philadelphia, all the way to the Pacific Coast. Andrew did it without any rides, no smartphone. He carried a backpack. Uh, there's his book that he wrote about, and there's his backpack, camping equipment, a camera, food bag. Stuffed with beef jerky, tuna fish, and peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and jelly. And on the sign on his back, it said this: "Walking to listen." 
He had conversations, thousands of them, all the way from Philadelphia all the way to the West Coast. He carried a voice recorder with him that he used to collect stories of, with, and, and, and conversations that he had with people he met along the way, asking this one question. It was the same question everywhere he went, and it was this. If you could go back, what would you tell yourself at 23? The question yielded some remarkable letter answers. Uh, he's on several podcasts if you want to hear them. It's very, very good. I listened to a few. And, uh, but he, he admits that going along uh, with the spirit of, of travel also gave him a lot of fear, a lot of vulnerability, as you would expect, walking the whole way. Some people thought he was crazy. I'm sure his parents were worried out of their minds. At times he said he was fear-walking. And this fear was heightened by those he met along the way. But one thing he learned on this trip is that of the thousands of conversations he had with people who responded, what would you tell yourself if you were 23 again? Not one person would have told their 23-year-old self to be cautious and to be careful. Not one. To the contrary, their, their messages to their 23-year-old selves are full of boldness and daring. But nonetheless, he said, many of them said this. Many of them said, so, you know, after they talked about their 23-year-old self, they should have been more bold. Be careful on that road out there. There's some people down the road that are not like us, he said. Don't trust them. They're not like us. What I wish... Andrew said in this book is that these people could have experienced what I did and seen the people that they had warned me about. They were the very ones that took me in and fed me and told me stories of their own. Pentecost is about taking a long walk. It's about getting outside. Because, y'all, we can't keep our faith indoors. It's about being bold and courageous and letting go of our timidity. For God, it says in Timothy, says to Paul says to Timothy, for God didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but of one of power. One of power. Now, Pentecost story is so important that there's more than one version of it in the Bible. Now, the one Karen read was in the book of Acts. That's the one that's loud and colorful, and uh, you know, it takes place. During Pentecost, which is 50 days, 50 Pentecost, Pente, 50, 50 days after Passover, everybody would come back to Jerusalem and they would have a big feast. In fact, this one was more popular even than Passover. There'd be food in the streets from Jews from all over the diaspora. Uh, there'd be vendors and homes would be full. People would come and sell their wares and make money. All kinds of people in the streets. And uh, the mighty wind rushes through and they're speaking. They're, they're, they, I just can imagine them flowing out of that house and beginning to speak in other languages. But really the miracle too was that people understood that, wow, they're saying it in my language. They got bold and just like Leslie said, 3,000 people, bam, joined the church that day because of their boldness. The Holy Spirit blew them out. Now, what's, the, what's, the, what's another Pentecost story in another gospel? All right, I'm going to give you John's version. Now, Luke 
wrote Luke and Acts, right? He wrote both books, the gospel writer of Luke and Acts. Sandwiched in between Luke and Acts is John, the fourth gospel in order in the Bible. In the gospel of John, that Pentecost is... Well, let's, let's go... Uh, give me that uh, picture real quick. The picture says a thousand words, so go ahead. Do that picture of, of all them huddled up. Ah, there's John's Pentecost. They're all scared out of their wits, and they don't know what's about to happen. So it says that they locked themselves for fear of the Jews. They had seen Jesus on the cross. They knew what the Jewish leaders were going to do and could do to them. They had seen what the Roman Empire had done, and that cross meant you shouldn't hope for anything. It's all going to stay the same. And so they were weary, and they were scared. You see their posture? They're scared. They're worried. Jesus comes in, peace, and he, it says Jesus breathes on them, Ruach, the Holy Spirit. Peace I give you, not as the world gives you do I give you, but as I give you. And, and, and shoot, they stay in that room even when they saw Jesus. Could you imagine? You'd think they'd get out of the room, but they stayed in there a whole other week because doubting Thomas was doubting. They came back and they were still locked up. Now, Daniel, show the picture of the, um, of the Luke's version. Can, do you see the stark contrast? This is of joy and reckless abandon. This is about courage. And they don't care anymore. They're not worried anymore. Now part of that may have been um, why maybe John um, uh, told, uh, told, told that story of Jesus uh, to those huddled disciples. The book of John was written 25 years after the book of Luke. Okay? You know when everything's new and great and fun and everybody's all excited? That's when Luke was written, right? I had, Luke had the idealism of a 23-year-old walking across the country, right? John's gospel was written toward the very end of the century when Christians began being thrown out of synagogues and persecuted and they feared for their life. I love John's because I got to tell you, sometimes I'm fearful, but... But Luke invites me to let go of my fear and get my, take my faith outdoors and trust, and trust God. What about us? We may not... Uh, I, I can identify with John's version of Pentecost. You know, we lock our doors. We make sure... I just moved. Somebody said, make sure you lock your doors. Make sure you lock your doors. What they told me, you know, I was like, whoa, okay. So I'm bolting it up, locking it up. Some of you are so concerned. Some of us are that you've got the old... You know, $200 down, $59 a month. You don't even have to go to your door anymore. You can just look on your cell phone wherever you are. Who's got that? Be honest. There we go. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing to be ashamed of. But um, that sometimes like I feel like that's my soul, right? My soul is locking things up. See, the problem, spiritually speaking, of locking everything out is when you lock the bad things out, what else do you lock out? You lock the good things. Your body can't go very long without breathing because you need oxygen. Fire needs oxygen. And the doors have to open to make that happen. And so fire filled into these festival streets of Jerusalem and they went outside and took their faith outside and it began to grow in ways that it could, could, could never in any other, other ways. There's a different posture there and I want the posture... ...of Luke's version. Where do you see yourself in this picture? 
Is your faith right now huddled down and you're off in a quarter and you feel like you're in the dark and you're not really participating in life? Or maybe are you looking outside and have a little spiritual cabin fever and want to begin to exercise your faith by taking it into the streets and serving other people? Y'all, I got to honor at the annual conference Dr. Iva Brown right here from this church. She got a an evangelism award along with Ann McCullen, my dear friend, and we work together at Court Street. And it's because of their tireless work at Edward Street. Y'all, that's a, that started right here. A DS in 1978 said I had a vision. Edward Street in Southwest Hattiesburg closed down, empty building. The DS saw something, saw something that nobody else did. He went from church to church to church. Well... Ah, we got a lot going on. I don't know. He got no, he got no, he got no, until he came to where? Right here. And when he shared the dream in 1978, there is young Dr. Iva Brown with the baby on her hip. And she takes her faith, oh, doing a lot of awesome stuff at Southern Miss, by the way, teaching teachers how to teach science and math. Yet she got involved and fell in love and caught fire for Edward Street. And then Ann McCullen as well. Where is your faith right now? Are you protecting it inside? Or are you ready, people, to take it outdoors? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. There's a church in Dallas. It's, uh, the building was old years ago, uh, but there was enough money to, to build a new church. And they began to... Imagine it. There was a big stained glass right there at the chancel. It was so beautiful. For generations, people would come and worship, and they would look at Jesus Christ with his arms spread wide, saying, Come unto me, all who labor. They knew they had to make a new church. They were trying to figure out what to do, and they decided they wanted to save that stained glass. And they really thought about it theologically, about who are we? Who are, what kind of people are we in Dallas? And so they saved the stained glass, but instead of it being at the chancel area where people uh, worshipped, they put it out where our atrium doors are. They built the whole church on the other side of that stained glass so that when people walked outside, they saw Jesus Christ saying, Come unto me, those who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And they imagined this church did that when people saw that, they would begin to love the people Jesus loved, to see the people Jesus saw, and to take their faith out into the street. Come out here, says Jesus, into the world I love, into the streets. Come out here where the young are seeing visions and the old are dreaming dreams. Come on out and catch the Pentecost spirit. At annual conference, the, the singer was amazing, right? I mean, she just had an awesome voice. I don't know where she was from, and I wish I remembered her name, Susan. Julie. Julie knows everything. Where's Julie? Her name? Thank you. Wow. Dr. Cynthia Felder Wilson. And she was this amazing uh, singer, and she sang a song about, God, give me a church without walls. Give me a church without barriers and walls. Give me a church where I can go out. And this was her line. This was her prayer at the end as she sang. Let the church inside me be a church without walls. That's Pentecost. 
You see those frightened disciples in John, they didn't wear red that day. They just wore red socks, right? But those Luke ones, they weren't wearing Ole Miss, Pat. I'm sorry to tell you, but they were wearing red that day. They were wearing red that day. And they went out and they began to fear not what people could do to them. They began to fear more of what if I live this all my life and I never really live a day. I never really learn how I can risk. What if I, what if I never risk a day? What if, what if, what would I tell my 23-year-old self? What would I tell my 23-year-old self? I don't know if it was the Spirit of God or the Spirit of uh, just youthful idealism that, uh, that got this guy Andrew thinking about his conversations. But whatever it was, it carried him coast to coast about 4,000 miles, 11 months, 85 hours of recorded conversations, five pair of shoes, and plenty of fear walking along the way. The last night, he's 20 miles from the west coast in a tent in a very thick wood. And then in the book, he talks about that. He set up his tent one last time. He ate his last dinner from his food bag. And there were cars passing that night as he was in this dark, dark forest. Here's what he said. If I was one of those cars right now looking into this dark forest, I would think the dark forest was a scary place. But I'm in the forest. And so now... So now that I know that, I don't have to be afraid. And if we're in that house, locked inside or cowering in the corner, well then, you know, that's when the world looks frightful, doesn't it? When you lock yourself in a room. Don't do that to your soul. For your soul needs oxygen to burn. John Wesley said this. He said, let your bones burn. And people, let your bones, set your bones on fire, and people will walk miles to watch you burn. He said that in England, and he, did, he wasn't scared of anybody. It was unbelievable what he did. Through the miracle of Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit's given, given to you and me. And I may not walk out of here speaking German, French, or Italian. I'm probably going to speak Southern English. All my life. But I know what it means to connect with somebody because the Holy Spirit dared me to get out and walk. So, I'm, I'm personally in my third year. I'm still just trying to figure out this, our church. I'm still learning. I feel like I'm just a beginner. I've got a lot to learn. Here's my question for us as we go into this next year. What would you do if you weren't afraid? What would you do if you weren't afraid? And what would we do if we weren't afraid? I want to teach Caroline what it means to live listening to my faith and not to my fear. And that's Pentecost. Let's pray. Lord God, breathe on us your breath, but God, let it be a wind. Lord, we're probably all scared and we wonder what you might do with us if we gave ourselves completely to you, but well, let us do it anyway. 
Help us get outside these doors and take your faith and your love and your hope to the streets. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing our closing song.